our prayer, or withhold your love and kindness from us. Now, Father, we are asking you to forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Father, you are our God, and we thank you. I am covering myself, the listeners, and our family members with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Father, give us and our seed wisdom and divine favor, as well as direction for each day. Open the door of favor for this ministry and the overseer and his family. Continue to bless them and meet their every need. In Jesus' name we pray. And, Father, prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Bless your servant for giving us the word that we need on this morning. Our soul loves you, and we want to continually to keep our mind focused on you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we get started today, if there is a praise item for the Lord, we will open it. It is always a blessing to just like a praise card because, you know, there are two things that the enemy is afraid of. One mm-hmm. is uh, the blood of Jesus, and the second one is a testimony of his name. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you can preach all your heart out, but if you come out there and preach, the enemy can say, oh, this is not what this word means. This is not what that means. And he can twist and turn, and people can just, like, you know, take the word in so many different directions. But when we open our mouth and say, this is what my Lord has done for me, Mm-hmm. The enemy cannot dispute that. Amen. And so it is a blessing mm-hmm. to just like a share, you know, if God has done something in your life, but, you know, this is a time to share what he has done. Amen. Amen. I'll go first. I, um, this is Brenda, and um, I'm praising God this morning for my brother. I have a brother, our baby brother, he's in Florida, and he suffers with... Um, pancreas problems, you know, um, and he's always in the hospital up and down, always in the hospital up and down, but I thank God that today is his birthday. God God gave him another year. In spite of his health problems, God blessed him to see another year. And I just thank God for that today because, you know, um, there's seven of us, and my baby brother and my baby sister, the last two, they've got all the health issues that that our parents have. Mm-hmm. But I just thank God today Amen. that he's alive. Yeah, you know, he, you know, he's on Amen. the family, you know, message line, and you know, he's saying thank you, Jesus, you know, for another year. And I just thank God for him today. I thank God for how he just blesses our family. That our family chain is not broken. In spite of the yes. illnesses in our family, our chain is not broken. And I Amen. give God praise for that today. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen
Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Is Sabrina on the line this morning? She may not be, um, but I told her that I would share the blessings of the Lord and how he has blessed her. Uh, she was on our prayer list, and she was very concerned about her health. She had um, the test, the procedures that were needed, and she is cancer-free. So we just give God the praise and the glory for Thank you, Father. That is a blessing for us and for her family. Amen. And for her, just to to let us hear what God is able to do for us. Thank Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Brother Cheryl, this is Terry in Texas. Hey, brother. Hey, good morning. I wanted to share with you, first of all, y'all are such a blessing to us every Sunday, and we just... It's it's amazing to have brothers and sisters that we've never seen, but we're just as close to you, and we feel your presence. And we thank yeah, God for yeah, y'all, yeah. and we want to see you one, one day. And, uh, but I want to tell you of what happened here since the, at the end of the year you told us to to take and uh, make a list of breakthroughs that you're praying for. Yeah. And on our list, and we did that. And we every day we prayed for our neighbor down here, a guy named Ricky Abernathy. And Ricky had had his family all crossways with each other. They'd been they'd began to be reconciled quite well. But the Lord put it on our heart to pray for his salvation every day. Oh, praise and God. We would pray for his salvation and I, I go by his house every time I go to Brady. He's about two or three miles down the road, and uh, I'd keep looking for him to see if he had he had uh, uh, was outside where I could stop and see him. And for some reason, since first year he was, he never was outside. But I'd keep praying for him, and I'd keep believing the Holy Spirit was going to enter that house and and going to uh, was going to save him. And so, and I thought uh, I had it on my heart to go by and witness to him and I've stopped and seen him uh, before so it wasn't anything unusual but anyway he got uh, in real bad shape I don't know exactly what it was but his foot turned black and they had to amputate his his uh, that amputate his leg right below his knee mm-hmm. and I tried to get in to see him but I, I never was able to and uh uh, I, I talked to his son, and he said, "Well, you just you can't see him. He doesn't really know anything." They found him unconscious, and mm-hmm. they took him to the hospital. That's what resulted the amputation of his leg at his knee. Then he got an infection in it, and then it he kind of got okay, got into rehab, but then he died suddenly. And at his funeral, mm-hmm. his second son. Uh, one of the pastor got up and talked first. A friend of his, that was an old cowboy, and they used to run and play together and do crazy things. Well, he got saved, and, and he had uh, he had become a minister, I guess maybe a cowboy minister. I don't know. I didn't know the gentleman. But then the son, Tony, got up and said, he said, uh, 
my dad, uh, in his last days, he says, I was praying that somewhere or another I'd get to talk to him about his salvation. And so he said, <clears throat> he said, uh, I, uh, I was praying with my pastor, and my pastor after the prayer, he said, <clears throat> you'll have a window, a door, which you'll be able to go through to talk to him. And so as he was in the hospital, right before they took, amputated his leg, the son went in and made conversation with him, and that he had run, he had literally run his children off <clears throat> uh, maybe five, six years ago. Well, this boy got saved about four years ago. Amen. So he started talking to his dad, just kind of freeing up the conversation. And he said, Dad, do you know Jesus? And he said, well, I don't know. I don't know if I do. He said, and the son had told him, he said, Dad, the the Lord set him free from alcohol about four years ago. He said, the Lord just set free and so so he uh and he he, when he asked him if he knew jesus he said no he said i don't know it if i do and he said well would you like some of that and he said he said yeah i would ricky i mean uh, tony and so long story short right there about a month maybe two months before he died he accepted Jesus as a Savior. And Hallelujah. So, Hallelujah. And I, I realized that it didn't have to be me. I was ready. I was looking to do it. But his son actually led him mm-hmm. to the Lord just before he died. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we would, <clears throat> my wife and I would pray every day. You said pray for 30 days. Yeah. For breakthroughs. Yeah. <laughs> and and shared communion together, prayed every day for our, our list, but Ricky's salvation was on our list. And so Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. And like ours, and you're praying for my business and all that, and I just thank God yes. for you. Thank the Lord. Thank you. We love you. We love the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You. Praise yes. His name. We're so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. 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 Hallelujah. What a confirmation it is. Uh, yes, you know, when you stop yes. to write and uh, tell God what is in our heart, you know, yes. He never takes our heart or what yes. is being talked in our heart lightly. And, uh, you know, we don't even need to do anything. We are just like, uh, you know, letting Him know, and He says, I got this one. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If we have one, um, good morning. This is Katina. If we have time for another, I'd like to um, give praise yes. to God. Yes. I just, uh, my husband and I just returned from um, about a almost two-week visit of uh, in to my home, Charleston, South Carolina, 
And um, during that time, um, we got a chance to spend some time with the family, my mom, dad, and my brothers and their girlfriends. And I just want to give praises and honor unto God because it is coming up on one year that my brother George would have been uh, released from prison. And, you know, specifically so, he re- that's a long time, you know, because yeah, yeah. they don't usually last that long before they, you know, end up being repeat offenders and they uh-huh. are, you know, reincarcerated. But I just thought about, you know, the fact that, oh, my goodness, July, the end of July will be almost a year. He's working. Yeah. God has blessed mm-hmm. him with a job. And I give praises yeah. unto God for being his supplier and for being, you know, everything that he needs. I thank God that he is trusting, my brother is trusting the process, that he's trusting God. You know, my mom had mentioned that his, his kids needed his financial assistance recently, and he just came out and said, I don't have it. And I thank God for his words of, I just yeah. don't have it. Because there was once upon a time where he would do whatever he needed to do in order to get it. Because he wanted to be, Amen. you know, be able to take care of his children. But right now he realized that in order for me to be present for my children, I have to remain on my job. I have to count on God for whatever it is that he's financially yes. supplying to me. And if it's just the bare minimal right now, and I have to tell others I don't have it. I just don't have it. And I thank God for his, for my brother oh, being able to stand on Amen. faith and stand on the strength of God to be able yes. to say, yes. I don't have it. And to be able to trust that one day he'll be able to say, I do have it. And I just Amen. give praises and honor unto God just for the yeah. process that I can see that my brother is just walking in and he's trusting God and he's being oh, patient. Yes in the supply of God and the abundance that God is going to provide for him one day so that he will be able to be able to provide for his family and be able to assist his family in a, in a right way, not in a legal way, but in a right way. And I just yeah. glorify God today. I glorify him for the almost one year. I glorify him because I felt a sense of peace when I came back of knowing that he's looking well. You know, it, it was a moment, you know, my heart was heavy when I first saw him. I could see that he was going through a transformation and that it was a process for him. And his spirit just didn't seem like it was settled. But this time, I could feel a sense of settlement on his spirit. And I thank God for Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Yes, yes. And I can tell, like, uh, you know, there is something that has changed, you know. This is a process. He probably was growing over the years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a God, just like a bringing some climax to that one. Uh, when, mm-hmm. he, when he danced with her mom, and, uh, you know, there was a moment in time that you can tell there was like a, an assurance that he had, that, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, this is it, you know, kind of a moment. And uh, from there, you know, there's like a, even within the, the, the short period after that, he, he was out. But, the, you know, I saw the interactions afterwards 
how how assured he was in a, in a step. So I think what you're saying with Katina is like a, it's a gradual process, but it, you know yeah, God yeah. has been w- working in his heart to yeah. get to this point. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And even despite of you know despite of obstacles that come up, despite of yeah. what things may look like or seem like, we still got to know that this is a process and God is yeah. working. And this is wonderful. Look how we're getting we're getting praise reports from Texas to Charleston to uh, is it New Jersey? Maryland. Oh. Maryland. 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 Praise the Lord. And and I wanna uh just give you all a little laughter here. Um, I normally try to make myself look cute in the morning before we come out here to uh, worship the Lord on this phone. And this morning I started to put on some mascara. I said, oh, no, I don't need to do that. They, The Lord is okay with me looking just as cute as I am. Well, I'm so glad I didn't put it on because I tell you, from the the from Texas, I've been crying from Texas to now. So I'm just so happy. The Lord is so good. I'm just so happy that this man who was did not have a relationship with his son, and the Lord through our wonderful brother in Texas, his prayers. I want you to know that your prayers had something to do with this young man. This man receiving Christ through his son, through his son. And so that is just so wonderful. And something else, if we were in the prison, we'd have to use toilet paper. But I have some real tissue. Paulette, do you have real tissue this morning? I've been crying crying for about 40 minutes here. I know. (laughs) I cried during the fake movie yesterday. I know. So we are just so grateful. We are so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for those things. And, And I still have my list of things that I'm praying for, and I hope you all do too. That circle that we made and... Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll stop talking. I'll stop talking. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for this beautiful morning. Thank you for just like, you know, the praises where you were glorified and honored this morning, Father God. Father, we offer these praises into your presence this morning. Father God, as an instant poured into that golden bowl, Father God, that you will just like, you know, Continue to, Father God, listen to the hearts of everyone that is in this line. Mm-hmm. That you will just, Father God, give us, Father, the, the 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 knowledge and the wisdom and the assurance that you, Father God, will never take even a a, a, a small prayer come out of our mouth. Mm-hmm. Father God, a small thing that we are asking, Father, mm-hmm. you are the God of minute details. Yes. God, give us the strength as we go into the word this morning that you will speak to us in a special way. Yes, we and wrath, Father, our God, into your mighty hand. Hallelujah. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Before we get started, I just wanted to start a little bit light. I know the content that we have is pretty, you know, a long, but let me do justice to this topic as well. But, the, the thing is this, there was a man, there was a robber, 
not even a mess. Breaks into a house, right? While nobody was in the uh, house, they had all like uh, gone somewhere. It was late in the night. It was dark everywhere. And when he went in, and he was like uh, busy opening up the cupboards and the the dresses and yeah, grabbing all the valuable things that he can put his eyes on, right? And then while he was just doing in a busy tone. Uh, came from the back that said, Jesus is watching you. So the criminal jumps out scared that the residents had come back, and so he froze for a second, but then he just like saw there was a silence, a moment of silence. So he quickly went outside to see if someone had come, and nobody was outside, so he came back so he can you know, finish what he had started. While he was doing he heard this one more time that said, Jesus is watching you. So he was very confused. Now he's looking all over the place. And he saw this parrot. Right? And so he went uh, and uh, he looked at it. Oh, so the parrot is probably the one talking. So, you know, he, he just like asked the parrot, you know, were you the one speaking? And uh, the parrot said, yes. And the thief asked, you know, I couldn't believe it. Uh, what is your name? And uh, the parrot said, my name is Ishmael. And uh, the, the man just like laughed at the parrot and said, what kind of an idiot names this parrot Ishmael? You know, and the parrot said, the same idiot who named his Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, um, there, there are so many of these kind of like a good jokes that are out there uh, when it comes to name because we are working like a, on the name of the Lord, which talks about the characteristics of God and uh, what that name stands for. And this, like, a, like a, we started last week on the Elohim, which is the supreme God. This is just like, a, a, you know, the word Elohim, is just referring to a God being a creator. He is a supreme creator. He has the control to build anything from nothing. The word Elohim, we saw, comes about like a 2,250 times in the Bible. And we saw a couple of places last week where, you know, when the world was like a nothing, like there was just like a pure nothing God spoke word into existence. And that's when that Elohim was just referred in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, and chapter uh, 1, verses 6, I mean, chapter 1, verses 6 and 9. It's talking about how God was just like a creating everything out of nothing, right? And we also saw, like, a, you know, a couple of instances where uh, when uh, we looked at Sarah and Rebecca, how God just like opened their womb, their barrenness out of their womb, and just like made it into whole. We, we, we serve a God who just, you know, can make a way out of nothing. That's why in another incident when we looked at, the, you know, Exodus, he was making a road in the middle of the Red Sea. There was no road in the middle of Red Sea for millions of people to cross, but God saw and created something from nothing. 
And, and, and the thing is that, uh, you know, the same God who just like uh, created everything just raised Jesus from the grave, from, from everything that thought like it was done. God said, no, it's not done, and he raised them up. Right. And so in the Bible, we have like a well over 950 various titles and names for God. Right? And, and if only God wants to have a passport, uh, a U.S. passport, he probably can have close to 950 versions of his own passport, you know. So the thing is that there's vastness on every time people refer to him, people refer to his title, people refer to him as a specific name that just like denotes a characteristic. Those kind of things, if we just like take it and just like go diving into it, it would take our lifetime to just like get through his name. And so what we are doing is like we're going to pick up like a 12 of those names. We have started with the Elohim. And we will go through the next 10 or 11 weeks to just like look at some of these names. What does it mean? And how do I apply this to myself? Right? And so in that path, in that journey, today we are just going to look at Another one called Adonai. Adonai means the Lord and the master and the owner. The Lord is everything. He owns everything. Right? But the thing is, when we, when we read in the Bible that there are over 400 times the word Adonai is referred to in the scriptures. It's just like a says that he is he's the master, ruler, dominion, ownership. Those are all the different ways in which this word is being used to reference God. But if you look at this word, the uh, Adonai, it's actually the, the plural form of the word Adam. Right? Adam means master and ruler. Right? But here's a small tidbit on the Bible study. Just so we are all on the same page, right? And you can actually see this in the Bible. If you have like a Bible app or if you're in the, uh, you know, um, you know, your computer that's reading your, you know, Bible and you have like a different versions of it, the cleanest of this you can actually see in the New American Standard Bible. NASB is the one which actually clearly shows what I'm going to talk about. The Adonai is, is actually, you know, is, doesn't mean like, a, you know, any different than the word Lord, right? The, the same word, English translation for the Lord, is also referred to when we, uh, when we refer to God as Jehovah or Yahweh, right? Even that is Lord and Adonai is also considered the Lord or the Master, right? So how do I differentiate between these two names? Uh, they, they mean two different things. Jehovah is just like a reference 7,000 times at least in the Bible. But then this Adonai, which is referenced at least 400 plus times in the Bible, how do I differentiate this? And that's why 
this version of the Bible is very, very critical. Because in this Bible, whenever you see the word Lord, because Jehovah and Adonai refer to the same word Lord, right? So what they have done in this version, and I'm sure I, I saw this in King James Version as well, uh, but, you know, NASB is much more cleaner. The Lord with all uppercase, L-O-R-D, all uppercase, refers to Jehovah, Yahweh. The Israelites uh, were, were so scared of even using this name. And they had so much of reference for this name. And so when they want to, you know, speak to God, there are a couple of references that we're going to see today. Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I, when it is translated into English as the Lord, what they have done is they have only made the L as a capital and the rest of the word, uh, rest of the characters, O-R-D, in lowercase. So when you're reading the Bible, and we're going to see that, if you're, if you're going to, you know, read that, you know, we will look at some of the references. And the thing is that if it is all caps, the Lord, then it is referring to Jehovah. But if only L is capitalized, then it is referring to Adonai. Right? And if it has all the word, the whole word is referred to in lowercase, then it's referring to the human version of the owner, ruler, or the leadership. Okay? And if you have your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. This is the first time that it is referring to the Lord as well as Adonai. It's referring to Yahweh, and it's also referring to Adonai. Genesis chapter 15. And if you are using the NASB, you will see this. After these things, what is it talking about? There was a, this, is a, this is a chapter 15 of Genesis. It's, it's about like a, the life of Abraham, right? And Abraham hasn't become Abraham. He's still Abraham at this point. The journey that we see Abraham's life is referred to and the promises were told in the chapter 12 itself. There are three chapters passed by and now we are on the 15th chapter about 10 years has gone by between the chapter 12 and chapter 15. In the meantime, what happened is like there is a, a battle that was happening and uh, uh, Abraham, Abraham has actually gone and just like uh, recovered his cousin Lot from the, the, the battle. They just like uh, took Lot and his, his cousin Lot and his uh, you know family out. And so Abraham goes and pulls them out and just saves Lot and brings them. That's what that after these things, after those things has happened, the Lord, the word of the Lord, here that Lord is all uppercase. It's referring to Jehovah. It's referring to Yahweh. Came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. 
And here, the God of this universe is telling Abraham, I'm going to be your shield, and your reward is going to be beautiful. He was so pleased with the how Abraham dealt with that situation. But here, right after that, because Abraham has already heard this blessing before, and so the second time when it came to God just speaking to him, Abraham actually responding back, back to God saying, Lord, this time the Lord that you see in the Bible only has the L capitalized and the rest is lowercase. Lord God. He's saying, Adonai, he's saying, Master, what will you give me since I am childless and the, the hair of my house is the Eleazar of Damascus? Here, Abraham is saying, he's a master by himself. He has like a, you know, at least the previous version, I mean, previous verse, uh, chapter says he has at least 30, 318 people working for him, almost like in this slave-master kind of a relationship, he knows what it means. So he's, for the first time, the Bible's recording the word Adonai here, and where he's actually talking to God, and he's saying, God, oh, you're saying I'm going to be blessed, but I don't know whether I will even have a child I don't even have a child here to carry my legacy to the next generation. God, you're asking me and telling me this promise. You're telling me about something that I'm going to have, but I don't know whether I will have a, 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 a you know, way to pass on to the next generation because the guy who is actually leading my household, the one who is the... Now, the, the, my servant that is actually taking care of everything is going to get everything that I have. And this guy is from Damascus, meaning in today's Syria, and he is basically the one who is going to take everything from me. Right? And God actually answers him. But before he goes on to answer him, we need to know that he is not speaking to God with any authority. Instead, he was speaking to God as a, as a slave, as, as, a, as a completely surrender to this father that he's talking to. There's like a, another reference that we see in First Samuel chapter 24, verses 8, where David is referring to the word Adonai. So the word Adonai in the Bible is referring to not only God, and it's also referring to the master or the ruler or the king of the human nature as well, right? And so here, when you read the verse from First Samuel chapter 24, when David was speaking to Saul in the cave, he says, my Lord, the king, he's saying Adonai here as well. But when you read this version of the Bible, you will see the Lord referred to all as lowercase. Right? But let me come back to Abraham for a minute. In the first case, like when he's referring to God in that kind of a tone, God actually turns around and he responds back to Abraham. And he says to Abraham, 
you know, let me tell you something. What's going to happen to you? Don't worry about that you don't have a son. This guy, Eliezer, will never be the higher of your house. He says that Eliezer, in the, uh, the verse 3, he says, Eliezer is not going to take control of your possession. He's not going to carry your legacy. He's not going to be the guy who's going to take this blessing to the next generation. He says, this man will not be your hire, but one who will come from your own body shall be your hire. And he took him outside. God took Abraham outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them, he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord. This time the Lord that he's referring to is Jehovah. That's why it's all uppercase. And he credited it to him as righteousness. Actually, the verse 6 in this chapter 15 of Genesis was referred so many times in the New Testament. In fact, when we read in Romans, we see that the reason why that God, when he told Abraham about what's going to happen, Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as, as righteousness. The reason why this is so important for this morning as we look through this word Adonai is this. Adonai refers to the master and the slave kind of relationship or the Lord and the, and, or the king or the ruler over everything, right? But here is the, the responsibility of the ruler. Here is the responsibility of Adonai. Here is the reason why when we transfer that contempt, like, a, you know, respect to God, it also bears responsibility of the Adonai to care for the well-being of his servants or the slaves. The master has to provide, protect, provide for, protect, and guide, and maximize what he has owned. At this point, so there is something when we go to God in that mode, there is also we are going to go to that mode of expecting God to do something to the one that is calling up. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. When we acknowledge Him as an Adonai, God actually transfers certain controls to us. There are three people that we are going to investigate this morning. And if you have, if you're taking notes, this is a perfect time to take notes. The three people that we are going to look at in the Bible that refer to God as an Adonai and what really happened to them and how can I apply this to ourselves. The first one that we would look at is Moses. Then we already saw Abraham, so we will discount him. But we are looking at Moses. Then we will go and look at Gideon, and then third, we will look at Jesus. So, when we look at Moses, right, there is a portion where Moses is ready, he's talking to God, Yahweh, right? 
And he, when he's talking to Yahweh in, in, a, in the book of Exodus, where he is just like, a, you know, ready to take the children of Israel into the promised land, and God is speaking to him. And uh, when God was speaking to, um, to Moses, Moses was saying, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow to speech and, and slow of tongue. But the Lord said to him, Who has made the human mouth? Or who makes anyone unable to speak or deaf? or able to see, or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? And now, then go, and I myself will be your mouth, instruct you in what you are to say. So here, this is talking about, you know, Moses talking to God about this. Right? Moses is saying, God, there is nothing that I can do right now that, you know, can get me where I want to go. So um, he's saying, I don't have the skill set, God. I know you're asking me to, to do all these things, but, but, but you know, really, I don't, I don't have what you're asking me. My mouth is not actually uh, very eloquent. This actually uh, comes in Exodus chapter 4, okay? So... Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. That's where we are in. And when, when God, you know, hears him, he didn't first hear him like, a, you know, his problem. But instead, when you read the word in Exodus chapter 4, the verse 10, it says, The Moses said to the Lord, Yahweh, Moses said to Jehovah, where it's talking about the fullness of God, but actually what Moses is saying to God, to that Yahweh, is this, Adonai, he's just saying, Master, he's just recognizing the fact that he's a servant and he doesn't have the skill set. He's saying, there is something that you're asking me to do, but God, my mouth is not working, but... The fact that he's telling God that his weaknesses, God becomes the strength in our weakness. But only when we give the control back to him as a master. God cannot work in your life and my life when we are still sitting as a master. When we are still not giving that control to him. In this case, Moses is supposed to lead the children of Israel, out of Egypt into the promised land. But even though this is a good thing to do, even though this is a ministry that God has called you, even though this is the church that you need to minister to, even though this is the, the calling that is there in your life, when we don't recognize God in the ministry, when we don't recognize in our church, when we don't recognize God in what he has called us to do, and we become the master, then the church will never flourish. Then the ministry will never flourish. 
that nonprofits will stay in the same place when we don't recognize God as the master. It doesn't matter we don't have the skills. We need to know that he is the master. We may not have mastered this whole process. We don't even have to have everything in order. But when we know that he is the master and we transfer the control back to him, when we surrender everything to him, then just like what God is telling Moses in the verse 12 of chapter 4 of Exodus, he says, I myself will be your mouthpiece. God is saying, everything else that you have in your hand, great, but know this for sure. You don't need to speak. Let me speak in your behalf. Let me be the Lord of your life. Let me be the master. What happens is this. And this I have seen so many times in the life of pastors, in the life of ministry leaders. And I'm praying every day that I don't get myself into that point. Now, when, when we start the ministry, when we start a church, when we start something that God has called us to do, the first thing that we do, we assemble people around us and we start to pray. We assemble people around us and we start to fast. We assemble people around us to do what God is, what is pleasing to God. But then, when we start to do something like this, God gives access to his resources. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's building. Sometimes it's something that, you know, that God knows you need for the ministry or the church, right? He gives access to it, access to his resources. But then, after we get access to that resources, we start to think, it is my work. It is my church. This is my ministry. This is my child. This is my business. This is my school. This is my building. This is my house. We start to think we actually got those things because we have worked for it. Right? Somehow we transfer that mastership quickly from God into our life. I heard a, a guy who was doing a ministry, a prison ministry, uh, in California, he said one time that one of his biggest difficulties is after he does a Bible study in the prison, he would come out and he would feel like so good. He would just like to think, praise God, I did really good. I did preach really well. And he said that was the hardest thing for him to get over knowing he was just an instrument that God used to multiply what he offered to God. So when pastors or ministry leaders, when we start to, you know, put like a process around the resources that we receive, right, we give importance to what we possess, like a building or a, whatever that God has given access to, 
God repeatedly sends messengers to transfer the control back to him. He keeps telling, he keeps telling. And when we don't listen, even though this is God's work, even though you're putting everything that you have in your hand, unless we know that he is still the king of kings and the lord of lords, he is still the Adonai, we don't have that in our vocabulary. We don't have it in our heart. What happens is the presence of God moves away from us. What was once easy is now a little bit tough. What was once easy to raise money is just not happening. What was once coming out through the people is just like a slowly shrinking. When you see your ministry started to shrink, start to shrink, when you see your church start to shrink, when you see your business starts to shrink, when you see there is an issue within your family that's just like starting to shrink your family, when you see the things that you have starts to fade away, start to question yourself where in your life you have been transferred the control back to God as a master. There is a very high possibility you have shut the master to have a control in that area of your life. There are areas in your life and my life we can shut God and that just reduces the access that we could potentially have with God being the master. So the first place that Moses said, even though he was doing a godly business, his mouth wasn't ready. He was open before God, and God says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the neighbor. You have actually given that control to me. I will send his son to take care of Ricky. I will send my resources to take care of, because now you have passed the control of mastership to me. The second example is in Judges chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. It's talking about Gideon. And Gideon, at this point in time, uh, the, 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 the nation of Israel right now is under Midianites, and they have occupied, and they have been just like a torturing. That's the background behind this verse. They're just like a making the life miserable. This is after the children of Israel has been rescued, and they have come into the promised land, and right in the promised land, they are having problems because they were worshiping foreign gods. They were worshiping. That's what happens when we have possessions. We start to worship the foreign gods like money and the resources, right? And so the children of Israel cries out to God, and God sends an angel, and the angel is speaking to Gideon, and, and, and the angel was saying, in actually the 12th verse, if we start from the 12th verse itself, angel was talking to Gideon, and the, the angel was blessing Gideon. But when Gideon hears this in the verse 13, he says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then 
has all this happened? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did the Lord, Yahweh, not bring us up from Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in his strength, uh, go in this strength of yours and slave Israel, uh, save Israel from the hands of Midian. Have I not sent you? So here is a conversation between Gideon and the, the angel, right? So angel saying, go with this strength and save Israel, right? Because I've actually made everything possible for you. You are the one chosen. Uh, to save this people. But Gideon quickly realizes his ability and his uh, lack of strength. And so he says to the angel, he says, Oh Lord, here is the next time where the Bible is referring to Adonai. He's referring to God because uh, as, as, a, as a master, He's saying, Master, how can I, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's house. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. God doesn't need an army to beat the enemy. God only needs you to be there to beat the army. If, if God is on your side, if God be your provider, if God be your provisioner, if God be your strength, there is nobody in the world who can overtake that part. Right? What is Gideon doing in that verse? In the, in the verse for 15 He's calling Adonai, I cannot save. I don't think I have the energy. I am the least of this. God hears what he does. As a master, when we recognize his potential, transfer the control to him, he transfers the resources into our account. Even though he was the least of his own family. What is that? God is uh, that, that you are not able to give it back to God. Is it your finances that you're not able to give this back to God as a master? Is it your relationship? Is it your marriage? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? Is it your children? What is that you have in your hand where you think you actually own it? But, you know, it's, it's not like, a, you know, God doesn't want to help you and me. There is a, something that I heard in the, uh, you know, uh, actually I read in the internet. This is about like a, a, a buyer and a seller having a conversation. And so a seller has a, a precious pearl, right? And so the, the master, I'm sorry, sorry, the, the seller uh, was uh, put in an eBay uh, a, a, a pearl that he wants to sell. And days later, a buyer who just saw this pearl 
And he said, oh, my goodness, this is such a precious pearl. I do want it. And so he asked the, uh, uh, the seller, can I have this? How much does it cost? And uh, the seller says, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost a lot. And so the buyer says, no, no, no. Everything has a price. Tell me how much it's going to be. And so the, 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 the buyer says, you know, tell me the cost. Tell me the cost. So the, the seller says that it's going to cost everything that you have. And so the buyer says, okay, sure. Uh, I have $10,000 in my account. I can give it to you. And uh, the the seller says, okay, you have 10000 What else do you have in your hand? You know, is there anything more that you can offer here? Right? And so the buyer said, he he looks at his hand and he just like put his purse, took his purse out and he just counted 20, 40, 60, 80, $100. I have 100 more dollars in my pocket. And the, and the buyer said, okay, I'm sorry, seller said, okay, everything that you have, right? So go ahead, put that put that $100 into that bucket as well, right? And then the buyer was saying, uh, what else do you have, right? And uh, he says, like, uh, you know, all I have is, uh, you know, three cars. And, uh, and, uh, and the seller said, uh, uh, that that means uh, everything that you have, right? So you just need to, you know, give all your three of your uh, cars. And the and the buyer is now getting a little bit jittery, and he says, like, uh, if I give my car, will I have to live in a camper? And the seller said, you have a camper, okay? So now you have to give your camper too. So then. He says, that's all I have. I've given everything. Oh, really? What about, where do you live right now? Oh, I live in the house here. Uh, you know, and, and, and the seller says, uh, uh, do you own it? And he said, probably, yeah. The next thing the seller is saying, okay, then that's mine too. Then he says, oh, if I give my house, I have nothing left. And then the, and the seller says, what else do you have? Are you married? And he said, yeah. And then he was proudly saying, I have a wife and four children. And the seller says, that's mine too, because everything that you have is mine. And then the seller was asking, do you have anything else? And the buyer said, no, just myself. And the seller said, I need to have you as well in order for you to buy this book. The, the point of this story is very simple. That in order for us to have what we don't have, we need to give everything that we have to the Father. And that's what Gideon was saying when he said, Master, when he said, the Lord he actually transferred everything that he had. He has nothing left. He says, 
I'm the least in my family. I have nothing. I'm, I'm ready to give everything, but I don't have anything else left. And God says, that's the one that I need. That's the Gideon that I need. The Gideon who transfers all the control is what I can work. The third one is actually Jesus. In, in Luke chapter 22, it's, it's the last scene, the night before Jesus was crucified. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there, Jesus recognizes in his Jewish flesh that he cannot handle what's going to come the next day. And that's why he says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, yours be done. He's actually transferring the control to God. He's saying, even though in my Jewish flesh I cannot actually do this, God, Adonai, this, this is the, the moment. If you had watched the movie, um, the, the, the Passion, the, the, the director of that movie actually, you know, put this place very crisply. He actually calls him Adonai. In his uh, in anguish, he was just shouting to God saying, I am just ready to relinquish everything that I have in my hand. And Jesus, this is Jesus we're talking about. Right? What I have missed reading all these years is the verse 43. When Jesus transferred that control back to the Father, the Bible says, an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Whenever we transfer the control of our dominion over to him, God is out there to fill what we don't have. What, in order for us to just understand this concept, what was Jesus doing? I want to go to Genesis chapter 21. In Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, I'm going to quickly read. It says, now these are the ordinances. These are the rules. These are the, uh, the, the things that we need to follow, the, the um, stuff that, you know, will make it correct. So he's, God is giving this to Moses. He says, these are the ordinances which are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, you know, God is speaking to uh, how the slaves should be treated. He shall serve for six years, but on the seventh, he shall leave as a free man without a payment to you. If he comes alone, he shall leave alone. And if he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall leave with him as well. So this is the first very simple the man was taken as a slave, and that he came in with a wife, and if he had come in with a wife and children, when he is released from the bondage, then not just him, but his own family can go home, right? If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master. And he shall leave alone. So this is a second scenario. 
there was a slave that was purchased, and the master actually gave him a wife, and through which he had a children. Then, when the man is freed, the wife and children should stay back. Okay? But if the slave plainly says, "I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my children." I will not leave as a free man. Then his master shall bring him to God. Then he shall bring him to the door or a doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ears with an awl. And he shall serve him permanently. So, sometimes, I have never realized this before. Uh, sometimes I've, I've seen people piercing their ears with a very large hole. And I've seen like a, you know, a plastic ring that holds their ears so large, right? So that happens when you use this instrument called awl, A-W-L, right? So that's normally used in the leather making, like, a, you know, whenever there is a leather involved, they use the awl to make such large holes, right? Here, that we, we are seeing like what the rules that Moses has said. I mean, God has told Moses to write as an ordinance. That is, when the child was born to a woman that was given by the master, and the, the slave says, I cannot go all by myself. I need, I'm going to stay back because of my wife and children. Right? And, and then what he does to himself, he's making himself as a permanent slave or a bond slaver, bond servant. Paul refers to it several times as a bond servant. Bond servant, there are so many servants in the Bible that you know, we hear and learn from the Bible about different kinds of servants. There are certain servants, they're like a contractors. They come during the day, they finish the work, and they go. They're like a cleaning house services, or making food, or, or, or taking care of your livestock. They're, those are servants. They are contractors that are coming in and going out. But there are second kind of servants or slaves that the masses had. And one of them is actually Luke, who was a bond servant too. And uh, that's why you see like a Luke writing all the Gospels and everything. He's talking about like a how, you know, he was let go even though he was a bond servant. Right? Now, when God gives him an option to come back to heaven, he has done all the work. Jesus has done all the work in the three years, spreading the gospel, telling people about the kingdom, telling people about like what's going to come in the future. He's already finished telling everything. Now he's supposed to come back to the heaven, and Jesus is saying, I cannot come without my bride. I cannot come without my bride, the church, not my children. God was giving him an access to come back to heaven, and Jesus was saying, no, 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 I cannot come. Father, I cannot come until I have my church to come with me and the children to come with me. Now, this is what is so beautiful about being this Adonai and, and this relationship with God. A lot of times, 
We are not willing to give this control back to him. There is a power in submission. We've, we've always heard this, that, that we, when we are in the church, when we are in the Bible study, we actually want to be surrendering everything to God. In fact, we sing the song like, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. We, we say all these things, but then when it comes to a decision where the money is involved and you are thinking whether to pay the tithe to the church or to this ministry or to this cause, you're now saying, God, wait a minute. Those are good things. I agree. But let me tell you, God, I have to take care of my bills. I have to take care of my family. We kind of like, you know, say to God, let me be the master of money. You be the master of everything else. God, you can come everywhere into my house, but not into this room. God, you can have a control of everything here, but not the movie that I'm trying to watch here. God, I'm going to ask you to just like stay outside. While let me finish watching this movie. Let me watch this pornography on TV or computer. God, you just like to do everything else. God, just into this room. I don't want you to come. This one area, let me be the Adonai. The rest of them, you can be an Adonai. And God does not work in being a partial master. You and I have to give a full control. There is a, there is a book called Radical, you know, Faith. And in that, we need to have a faith to just like give, relinquish every control to God. And let God be the God. In fact, in Psalm chapter 50, God says, I own everything. In fact, every animal on the farm, on the thousand hills is mine. I know every bird on the mountain, of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is mine. God says, I own, the world is mine, and everything it contains is His. When we transfer our controlled radically into his hands. Right. There was a time the crusaders were hired uh, to, to go as a mercenaries to kill people if they are not like a Christ followers. And so uh, when the crusaders were hired, most of these guys were not Christians. And so they have to be converted to Christianity before they can become crusaders. And so when they were baptizing, what they were doing is that they would always baptize them with a knife in their hand. Right? So when they would go down into the water, they would keep their hand and the knife out of their water and the rest of the body they would baptize. And here's the thing. We may think, oh my God, how horrible it is. But a lot of times we do the same thing. We're keeping our purse outside. We're keeping our family outside. God, you can touch everything else, God, but just don't come near my family. Uh, I know they're just like not in order, but they're kids, you know, they will make mistakes, you know. God, just let them be kids, you know. So we kind of like make a pass and keep our kids away from telling them, about the salvation, telling them about 
what that life is going to look like. And God is saying, unless you open that door and let me come in, when Martha opened that stone, she was saying, God, it's going to stink. Sometimes when we open the door and allow God to come in to our area, it's going to hurt. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But God says, don't worry about the stinking part. Open it up. Let me be the master. Let me make that decision. If you are not able to speak, don't worry. I'll become your mouth. If you don't have the strength to beat the Midian, let me be that strength. If you don't have the strength to go to the car, let me be the strength. When we surrender our control, when he gets to call the shot, he gets to have the final say in our decision. His perspective is the perspective you utilize in making your choices in how you use your time. A lot of times we are not willing to do it. It's very radical to go and do that stuff. If we don't do that kind of a lifestyle, then the information starts to, starts to flow. It ceases and it lessens. It becomes like a, a drip rather than a full force occupying your life and my life. There is a honor in surrendering to God. And that's what this word, Adonai, refers to. When we refer to God as an Adonai, we are willing to say, God, this is it. A couple of years ago, I was uh, uh, doing this financial study um, under Crown Financial Study. And in that, there is a, a, a page where we have to fill. It's called Quit Claim Deed. And if you need it after this service, just let Ms. Sarah know or just let me know via email. I'll send you the quit claim deed. I want you to take this week what you're holding tight in your hands to leave into the presence of God. In this quit claim deed, what I want you to do is like a think through and write down the things you think that you own in this life. If you start to think that you are the owner of the house, or you are the owner of the business, you are the owner of the car, you are the owner of everything that is around you in your house, right? this is a time to quit claiming the ownership and becoming a steward of the things that you own. Here is the benefit of it. When we start to treat God as an Adonai, as a master, and transfer the control back to him, say, for example, your car. If you write down your car, that you common written people write the car as one of those common things that they think they own, right? When you write down the car in that one, and you transfer the control back to God. The next time when your car breaks down, you should just let the owner know his car is broken. You're just a steward of that car. You don't own that car. He owns that car. It's his job to fix your family. It's his job to fix your marriage. It's his job to fix your, you know, relationship with your husband or wife. It's his job. You don't, uh, you and I don't need to be the master of all. It's one thing 
that I would leave today with is this. We need to turn our life so radically so that we become like the stewards of everything that we have. We could potentially have like the, 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 the seller who is selling the pearl at the end. Here's how that story ends in the internet. He actually gives everything back to that uh, buyer and he says, you can have this all right now. But know this for sure, it's all mine. And if I would come and ask for it, you need to give it. You're just a steward of everything that you have. And that's what God is asking you and me to do. Be the steward of the things and not the owner of the things. And that's what this whole Adonai is referring to. It's referring to the master and the a slave relationship, the Lord relationship is transferred into the hands of the Father. I'm going to open the floor and let Brother Wynn talk through this morning. Uh, The conference has been unmuted for this message this morning and really for teaching teaching us um, teaching us the difference between Lord all caps Lord all lowercase and Lord with the capital L um, amazing that I, I didn't know that's knowledge prior uh, so thank you for teaching us and bringing us back to seminary uh, Abraham Moses Abraham, Gideon, and Jesus, and the examples of how they transferred control back to God. And maybe in the beginning, they didn't. They were considered, you know, they weren't using Adonai. But it transferred from their their heart to their mind to their mouth and their actions. And I, I think that that's the message here is the transfer of control and, and recognizing who God truly is. And until you understand who God truly is, your life will, will never be fulfilled fully. Uh, and, and that's the message, I think, is understanding God's, God's honor, God's respect, God's presence, and, and the different ways we use that word, Lord. Um, Moses' example, I was, I was brought back to a, a message I heard this week. And when Moses was t- telling God that he was slow to speech, and, and about when God questioned who made his mouth, he was basically telling God, I can't. I can't, I can't, I'm not eloquent, Lord. I'm too old, Lord. I'm not educated, or uh, I'm too young. All the I can'ts, and throughout our lives, we, we do that all the time. I can't, I can't, I can't. Lord, you know, I can't do that. I can't lead that group. And, and it would remind me of God doesn't need our ability he wants our availability. God doesn't need our ability or our possessions. And I think about possessions. He wants our availability. He wants us to lose some control. You said, what's in your hand? What are you holding tightly? And it's on a daily basis. We, 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 we release it, and then we take it back. We release it, and we take it back. And we don't want God in certain situations. We want to keep him in the pocket. 
And that's the convicting part of your message today, Cyril, is letting him be a master of all things, not some things. He just doesn't want our possessions. He wants our ability. He wants our availability because we are weak. We don't have it all. He is our creator. So thank you for challenging us. Thank you for convicting us. May the Holy Spirit touch touch our hearts and our minds. May, may we don't, as the Israelites, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, but the promised land was theirs for the taking. He told them that years earlier. Are we going to continue to wander in the wilderness of our lives when the promised land's there? I want the promised land living, not living in the wilderness. Amen. Sarah? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And the night, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, the night before he was crucified, Jesus took the bread after blessing. Uh, he, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. As we are just entering into the communion with God this morning, one of the things that we would do is like, a, as we take this bread, this bread becomes a remembrance of how we are to, to, to celebrate our life with the Lord, but at the same time to transfer mm-hmm. the control back to Him. Mm-hmm. I do not know if there is anyone on this line which is, who is sick, that, that needs God to touch you from the head to toe to just like a remove mm. every single illness from your body or the bondage or, or the stronghold. As you take this bread, this is a remembrance that you and I 
are not alone in this battle and that he is the Adonai, that he can change things, he will change things, and he will make the path that is crooked to be straightened. As you take this bread into remembrance, know this for sure, you are now uniting yourself into God. Go ahead, take your bread. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. As we take this thing, my prayer for everyone on this line is that we cannot change what happened yesterday. Whatever happened up until this point, we cannot even change what happened last minute. But as we take this drink, as this drink touches your tongue through the throat, through the blood cells of your body, know this for sure, his blood that was shed on the cross wasn't shed without a price being paid. This price that he paid on that rugged cross is to bring you back home. He wasn't ready to go to the heaven until his bride Mm -hmm. and his children are willing, are rescued to go with Mm -hmm. him. This blood represents what he has shed on the cross for the bride and his children that he was willing to come back and be the slave in the master's house for you and me. Know this for sure. As you drink this, every past sin is forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we come before your throne of grace this morning one more time. Father, we are so thankful for all the testimonies that we heard today. God, we are so thankful that Ricky is in heaven this morning. Yes, Lord. Thank you. God, we are so thankful for George and the change that you have orchestrated in his life, God. Amen. God, we are so thankful for what you did for Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Thank God, you. we are so thankful for everything that you're doing every single day, every single minute, every single yeah. second. Father, we cannot survive on this earth without mm-hmm. your presence and your dominance and you being a master of our life, you being an Adonai. We cannot, yeah. Father, God, even move an inch without you being an Adonai Thank in you. this life, Father God. Father, so many people have lost their lives and jobs in this country. Mm-hmm. Father, as we uh, remember right now, Father, we lift up this nation, we lift up this president, we lift up, uh, Father God, all the 
elected officials of this nation, that you will, Father God, give them the wisdom, knowledge to run, and Father God, to do the right thing before your eyes, Father God. Yes, Lord. God, we surrender all of us and our families into my 